0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Waste360's Nothing Wasted podcast. On every episode, we invite the most interesting people in waste, recycling, and organics to sit down with us and chat candidly about their thoughts, their work, this unique industry, and so much more. So thanks for listening and enjoy this episode. I am Liz Rourke. And I am honored to be the moderator today for this panel. Uh, I have two fantastic panelists with me. To the far right, we have Vivek Jani, who is a client partner with over 20 years of experience. And as Liz mentioned, we have Pete Tavonian, who is a senior principal of sustainability uh, with over 25 years of experience. All three of us are colleagues at Infosys Limited, which is a global technology company that highly prioritizes the importance of well-being, not only for our clients that we serve, the employees that it employs, but for the global environment at large. And to that point, I am excited to share a fun fact that I find really exciting. In 2020, so just a little over two years ago, we went completely carbon neutral. So that is 30 years ahead of schedule per our Paris Agreement, which is really, really exciting for us. Um, A lot of hard work went towards that and we continue to strive towards continued improvements because we know that the work is not done. Uh, Studies show us that by 2050, global waste is expected to expand and reach 4 billion tons, which is double what it was in 2016. And this alarming and rapid increase is tied pretty directly to the growing urban populations as well as the rise in consumer culture over the past few decades. We talk about circular economy quite a bit. You've heard it thrown around today. It's it's a great topic of discussion and it's, it's one that's really important. It's an aspect that really implores us and urges us to transition away from our wasteful linear economy that we've been living for so long towards a much more sustainable and responsible future. The success of a circular economy, the responsibility should lie with each and every one of us. However, it's become clear to us that The heaviest of this burden has fallen onto the shoulders of waste management industry. And this lies um, pretty much because of manufacturers and consumers either being resistant to, um, hesitant, or slow to adopt change towards sustainable behaviors, increasing the production of waste, along with the growth of population and exponentially so. So we believe that through utilizing innovative technology, we can digitally transform the um, waste management industry at many levels in several ways. And so Vivek, I'm gonna throw it to you. I have a question for you first. Um, I mentioned that Infosys is a technology company. So when speaking about technology, uh, what do you think is going to make the greatest impact related to waste management and landfills and specifically how it will uh, help us to achieve
1: circularity? Sure. Thank you. Thank you for your question. So yeah, um, technology definitely plays a really big role. So you talked about Infosys um, being a carbon neutral so early, um, um, around 20-30 years early, right? So whatever we have done, our technology has already played a big role behind that. And and a company like like a large company like Infosys with 250,000 employees and uh, 51 million acres of land, right? So if we can do that. Um, I believe other companies can definitely do that. So, um, when we always talk about the uh, technology, Um, nowadays we need to always bring the AI, data analytics, machine learning into this consideration because that's something driving this whole technology and innovation nowadays. So, what I can do, maybe I can just try to bring some um, points starting from when the trash is generated and it goes to landfill. Um, There are various stages where all these technologies are really helping, um, and we are helping from Infosys side our uh, uh, clients on their digital journey uh, to achieve this uh, uh, a- agenda of uh, the whole transformation and uh, um, bringing the innovation in the waste management also. So when we talk about this, there are two sides of it. It's one is where the waste is generated. That's something from our side, like homes, offices, industries, etc. And the other side is these this waste management companies, which are like uh, managing and processing our waste, right? So, when we talk about the uh, consumers, like the people who are generating the waste, or industries, or offices, um, there was um, one study some time back that says that average human or average person in the U.S. is generating five pounds of trash every day. So if there is a family of four, that means you are generating 20 pounds of waste every day. So we want to want to make sure that it's, it's going into the right place, right? Not everything is going into landfill. Um, so how do we achieve this? Can technology help? Yes, definitely it can help. Um, and where do we start? So we need to start from ourselves, right? We need to start from our homes, um, offices, everywhere. But we have seen always there is a confusion whether this will go to recycle or it will go to regular garbage. Right, so we all 50 people sitting here and talking nice thing about sustainability, but if we go and check that blue color bin, you'll always find so much dump which will not go to uh, recycle. Right, so definitely some education is required on that front, but at the same time we can bring technology also. Right, so for example, whenever I have a doubt whether this milk container or a soda can or maybe a banana or a picture frame. Whether can I throw it in recycle or not? Let's use the AI, right? Nowadays, AI is nothing but it's in our smartphone. So we have to just bring out the phone, scan with the app. A simple mobile app can tell you whether you can throw this item in recycle bin or not, right? So whenever you scan, it can accurately scan the item. It can tell you whether it's eligible for recycle or it goes into a regular uh, garbage bin, or it can even tell you if there are donation centers that are ready to take that item. Or if there are some buyers, you might generate some revenue out of your trash, right? So it's it's always possible. So this way, we can encourage uh, uh, people to reduce the trash going into landfill. Um, other uh, good technology I see here is using the smart bins, but that's more for like offices, restaurants, hospitals generating huge amount of trash. Um, these bins are not regular bins, but it comes with the sensors and all kind of. It can uh, tell you what's the weight of the, tech, uh, uh, the trash, what's the volume inside that, what's the content of, of that trash. And with that, it can automatically send the notification to the waste management companies that, yeah, now it's ready to pick up, or maybe my trash bin is 70 to 80% full, so that maybe they can start planning for the trip instead of sending the half full bin or bin, bin might be overflowing, right? So that's one thing we can do. Um, When it comes to the waste management companies, for them, this AI and all those things are not just to automate their functions, but it's for them cost-saving opportunity also. Um, Their major revenue generation is through the uh, waste collection, right? so whenever they need to go for waste collection, their main equipment is truck. But nowadays, these trucks are not just trucks. It's it's like we call it smart trucks. They come with all kinds of sensors, IoT devices, um, GPS, cameras, everything, right? So again, uh, just to give example, whenever they are picking up your um, trash bin, they are measuring the weight also, right? So how much you are putting in the trash, they are taking the data also. So it's it's not only they are collecting the garbage, but they are collecting all kinds of data that is being used for all kinds of analytics. So whenever they are collecting this uh, uh, trash, they can kind of create a model that will show them uh, uh, the analytics that for this location, how much trash is coming out, or uh, and and that gives another opportunity to consumer also. Say for example, my my neighbors' trash bins are always overflowing, but for me it's not even half filled. But I'm still paying the same as he's paying, right? So is there any way we can you know? As per pay as you throw model, can we give some opportunity or uh, pass some benefits to consumer? So that's something waste management companies can do using the technology. So now, so so with using these things, you can also you know do some predictions on route planning, dynamic planning based on your volume. Or maybe based on the season or geospatial uh, uh, data, right? So, all those data you can use and build some predictive model for your um, kind of uh, dynamic planning. Say, for example, uh, every season there might be a different uh, trend of getting the trash from based on the locations, or uh, um, say, for again, I like to give the example, right? So, in a, in a, in a summer vacation or maybe in a Christmas break, It may happen that uh, a particular town, or maybe people are traveling, right? So, so they are not putting the garbage bins outside or trash bins outside. So, we can build a model that says that uh, you know, for so and so location, from December 15 to say December end, 15 percentage of people are not at all putting their trash trash bins outside, right? So, they can build a model that can predict in advance that they need to send less number of uh, trips into that area or they need to utilize the uh, uh, trucks in a better way using the planning that they don't have to run the empty trucks uh, into that area. But similarly, on the other side, it may happen that there's a tourist place, which is very famous, and there is a, always a 35 to 40 percentage high demand during the same Christmas time. So they need to send more trucks there or m- more uh, uh, crew members there or plan accordingly. right? So all this pre-planning you can do, depending on the data that you are collecting, uh, throughout this life cycle. So this is what something we talked about the collection but once it goes into their sorting facility there also AI plays a major role because it's just like everything comes together and they, they have to just dump it right but we don't want to put that in the landfill so AI plays major role here like using the machine learning learning and the vision technology. They can detect the items accurately and, like, say, sharp objects or maybe metal or plastic or anything that should not be going into landfill. So they can segregate using this technology easily and uh, reduce the trash again going into the uh, landfill. And the last stage, when it goes into landfill, actually, that's a huge area, right? Uh, there's no way you can monitor uh, manually. So again, this technology you said, like AI, drones, etc, they can monitor the landfill, they have sensors they can put everywhere, and that helps them to know if there is any leakages of gas harmful to the environment, right? So all this data collected can help them to uh, you know, make the bigger uh, analytics behind this, and then you can use it for future improvements and innovation. so. Sorry, long answer, but yeah. There are so many uh, stages where you can use the technology to uh, bring this innovation.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. And Pete, to that point, Bavak just filled us in on how AI and machine learning, most specifically, can can be really critical technologies for achieving circularity. Do you have a critical technology, in in your opinion, that would help kind of push us towards um, really being successfully circular? Yeah, I
2: mean, I think that, um, you know, AI and machine learning and the, and the complexity of models that we can now develop and the speed at which you can process information is unbelievable and it can give you insights that used to take, you know, the, it was the end of a year report card, and now it becomes operational data you can act on literally in real time. Um, and it all relies on data. And, and I think, you know, I was actually thinking to myself as I walked up here today, going last in the presentation either allows you to be the summary on the day, or it allows you to repeat everything everyone else has already said (laughs) during the day. So you'll see a lot of threads in in what we're talking about, I think, that other folks have already talked about. but information and the the gathering, the understanding, and the sharing of that information is critical to all, literally every aspect of sustainability and in in waste management. Uh, we've had folks talk about you know the the plastic streams understanding what are the characteristics of different streams of plastic and what are they going to be useful for. Um, it's we don't have great standards. We're developing them. They're sort of growing organically. Not to use a pun, but. Uh, We don't have great standards where everyone can agree on the way we're talking about the materials we have, the waste we have, the quantities we have, the revenue you could generate from those, from that waste. Um, this morning, you know, Bill was talking about, um, uh, or you know the organic digestion of of, um, of the materials, understanding the relative value of natural gas from this source versus that source versus a third source, and be able to have that data is critical to your operation to understand what it is you want to do with your waste. Or if you're a recycler, or you're a, a you know landfill operator, what are you going to do? Without that that data uh, being well understood and being sh- Difficult decisions you have to make uh, when it comes to materials you're producing. You know, in the old in the old linear world, you could you know collect your waste and dump it to a landfill or incinerate whatever you wanted to do, and you didn't have to worry about the next step of the cycle. But with the circular you know business model, you now have to be aware of. What is the next person around the chain going to use this for? I can't just take all this stuff and dump it in landfill because it's now contaminated. We understand the plastic is contaminated or organic waste will contaminate the landfill uh, or that organic waste which could have been natural gas or compost is now contaminated with metals and, and plastics and other things. So having to understand what is someone on the production side or the packaging design side going to do with this material affects how i deal with it as a consumer as a as an enterprise uh, or as a recycler and the sorting facilities Um, so again that sharing of information is is super critical and and arriving at standards where we can all talk the same language and automate systems is also critical we you know we heard earlier about the importance of the people involved um, from from partnerships and and i think most of us agree that sustainability is hinged on partnerships to make you know rapid progress but If we rely on individual human communications for every step of the way if you have to call five or six packaging companies to find the one that's going to deliver the kind of material you need uh, there's no way you get that done at scale so creating a marketplace or an automated system you know the the ebay motors of parts but for recyclable containers where you can go and you can you can um you know put in your order and find a provider in your local area with the right price the right characteristics and we all are speaking the same language then you're able to scale up your operation and act much more quickly and efficiently uh, in in getting those things done. Um, and then I, I wanted to also talk about um, recycling of things that are not raw materials so not just paper or plastics or or metals but recycling of things like parts or compressors or motors or electronics things that are a full device and it still works fine but it happens to be encased in a refrigeration unit that is broken down for whatever reason and so the act of understanding what are all the components that make up this this appliance or this car or whatever it may be that's a more complex product And be able to identify the value and the features of those components and then find a second buyer for those things as well again imagine all the products that we buy in the world all of them needing to go into a catalog somewhere where you can then process that information and find buyers and sellers and and that's where i think technology is going to be a critical component to connect all those folks together and all of that is just talking about the enterprise side of things, not even talking about the consumers, which we've heard a lot about today in terms of you know their understanding of things and the actions that they can take. So I think just to summarize, summarize the data and the information and being able to connect different people together and their information together is, I think, the sort of the linchpin that you know ties a lot of this stuff together.
0: I'd agree with you, and I think that you highlighted a really important part, almost the pinnacle of what brings the circular economy to success, which is not only does each and every individual along the way need to have ownership of it, but they need to be thoughtful and innovative. Mm-hmm. Because in order to turn this rubbish into resources or into new raw materials, we're going to have to Find ways to use it, and so that may be existing needs, or it may be needs that we haven't yet thought of, or um, come to us yet for the new generations to come. So I think that's that's a really helpful point. Yeah. Uh, Vivek, did you have any additional applications for the the data or data analytics of how you think that this can help drive yeah. this? Yeah.
1: So one important um, aspect related to data, uh, right? We are collecting all this data, but it's just really useful. In predictive maintenance, that's that's one important um, uh, topic I forgot to talk about. Because whenever we are collecting this data, um, how do we use that for predictive maintenance? Um, Because that has become a very key nowadays. Whether it's you know big flying machine like Airbus three eighty or maybe garbage truck running on the uh, roads, right? Maintenance is required. Even my kids' bike requires maintenance, right? So here we are talking about the big complex machines. So whenever um, we talk about the predictive maintenance, what does it mean? So this, this big machines like it, 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 create, it contains a lot of sensors, devices, um, um, kind of uh, rotational uh, engines and all those robotic arms and whatnot, right? So all this can break down anytime. And whenever it, it will break down, it, it's going to create a lot of issues in there, um, uh, I'll say scheduling, safety issues, and it, it's going to cost millions for them to fix it, right? Because um, if, if it is unplanned maintenance or maybe checkups without any um, uh, unnecessary checkups that they keep on doing, then you are going to spend money, a lot of money. But what if we know in advance that, yeah, I'm going to face some issues um, for so-and-so part or for so-and-so truck, right? So, again, with the technology or AI or sensors, whatever we are pl- um, talking here about, What we can do, we can install some devices which can um, sense if there are any problems happening with the part. Say, for example, truck running in Chicago or maybe um, in the um, desert area, they both are running in different conditions, right? So, the sensors can um, sense and provide the information whenever there is a maintenance required or there is a part which is about to break down. That way, they can Make sure that uh, uh, the supply chain is also working properly. Instead of waiting for the part to come and then repair the truck, they can order that in advance and make sure that it's available. Um, other thing we talked about is their segregation facility. Those are also like very heavy machineries running 24/7. If they shut down this plant, it's it's a huge backlog and bigger problem for them. So they want to make sure that it's running 24/7. And there's no um, breakdown or shutdown, so again, predictive maintenance using this data they can predict whenever they need to make a maintenance or they want to make any changes or they need to tweak anything or any parts they need to repair or replace so so this whole thing is to reduce the downtime um, in the industry so that's how we can use the data again yeah the other I just wanted to add on, on predictive maintenance you know one of the uh, what One way I think about sustainability
2: is basically it's a story of efficiency. It's doing as much as you can with as little as possible, um, little waste, little resources, little energy. Uh, and and predictive maintenance, I think, is so critical because it allows us to avoid having equipment or machinery or appliances end up in a landfill or being you know broken to the point where they can't be repaired—a catastrophic failure rather than just regular wear and tear. Uh, and using you know the the a digital model of, of let's say a compressor or a uh, bulldozer or a you know a waste collection truck or a digestive you know plant. Um, you know, all of those things can be put into models that allow us to understand from the real activities that are going on day to day. Where are the likely components that are gonna break down? Where are there gonna be problems? Where is there, there a possibility that we're gonna be generating waste that we didn't expect to generate? There's, there's things you expect to generate. You, you, you build a product, you know at the end of life, this product is not recyclable and it's gonna to go to landfill. That's one issue you have to deal with. But the other issue is when things just fail or break or collapse or wear out. Uh, and now you've got a, a, a component or a part or an appliance or a machine uh that now is going to end up in landfill where you didn't have expectation for it to be um and i think again it's a, a critical place where the where the data and the analytics um you know both uh, work really importantly
1: together yep.
0: i think i think one piece i agree with both of you and i think one piece that's quite an essential piece of this puzzle, um, because there is so much data that we can utilize for predictive analytics, for digital modeling, and for predictive maintenance, all of those things, is is accessibility to this data um, and being able to look backwards as well at the data and find patterns um, and issues. And the cloud would allow um, users all over the the world um, to be able to access and really harness that data. But because there is so much, it's a challenge it's become a challenge for us to really harness the data and figure out how to use it Mm -hmm. um so for example geospatial data Pete how would you um suggest that plays a role and how would you um suggest that it's best to harness that type of data
2: yeah again I think you know AI models work best when they are combining technology and information from a lot of different sources that's hard for a human or for a group to understand and to have visibility into. And I think you know, geospatial data is really interesting. You know, We're all familiar with Google Maps. We have GPSs in our pockets wherever we go. We have data about the weather. We have data about traffic. All the, the data about the world around us that is just sort of passively coming to us or that we're actively going out and retrieving. Um, all of that data and much more is, plays a critical role in sustainability in general and in the, in the, you know, the waste and circularity worlds. Um, Every company that deals with natural resources of any sort, whether you have lots of land you're dealing with, whether you're a power company, you have a a grid of power lines that have vegetation encroaching upon them uh, whether you're building a facility out in the desert somewhere and you have to worry about the future availability of water or power or you know dealing with your waste all of those things uh, can be addressed or explored through the use of geospatial data uh, and again you have information not just about what is my my factory doing to the water table right now or to the water sources right now uh, what is the waste we're generating and where is it going in terms of the locations of things but you also have the ability to look forward 5 10 30 years with with various models and understand how are population centers moving where is a likely growth in this city going to be or what cities do we think in the u.s are going to continue to grow or which are going to shrink um you know the lack of water in you know the in the southwest (laughs) desert um you know it it poses a serious risk to the ability for communities like Las Vegas and others to continue to exist the way they have. You know We have hydroelectric dams that are in danger of literally being shut down because there's not enough water to run them. Uh, And if that happens, you have not just a water problem, you also have a power problem, an electricity problem. Um, And so the use of geospatial models in these complex systems of systems allows us to look at the very, very big picture or even look very, very granular uh, and still apply the same level intelligence and sort of predictive analytics uh, to understand, you know, what we think we're facing down the road and you know, potentially um potentially Think through possible solutions. If I make this change, make that change. Let's fast forward five, ten years and see what that means. Um, and it, it's a, it's a systems-level looking uh, or, or view that I think a lot of individual companies uh, have a hard time doing uh, unless they have, you know, a set of geospatial data experts, or they contract to someone who can come in and do that for them. Uh, but it's a it's a really complex. You know, obviously all this is very complex, but that's an example of a really complex problem that it's hard to get your sort of head around.
0: No, yeah, I I would agree with that. And I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head there that um, without being able to, I I think we've gotten to this place where we are now uh, by being reactive and by being able to really learn and know how to harness the data that's already available to us. And we have the technology. We just need to put it into place and harness that data to analyze it and really start putting out those predictive models so that we can see and start being more forward thinking and future thinking so that we can stop making so much damage right for the here and now and for the future as well. So I wanna pivot just a little bit um, and ask you Vivek, as a client partner at Emphasis, you work heavily with, with multitude of clients um, and hear from them about their um, successes and challenges with technology. And I was wondering if you might share with us a little bit about uh, the technologies that they share with you and how that relates to landfills and waste management and a circular economy.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, so working with the client and my experience, what I feel that um, definitely whatever we talked about, technology and innovation, that's helping helping them with their journey. Um, but there are some real-time issues and challenges they have been facing. So if you look at it, there are big players and small players in this area, right? Uh, when we talk about this waste management specific to this, um, there are always mergers and acquisitions keeps on happening, but that creates One more challenge, um, that's for the technology, whenever they need to merge the technology during the acquisition process. Because two companies like company A and B, they'll always have their own technology roadmap based on their location or based on their presence or based on their operations or type of activities they perform. So whenever they they need to merge two technology roadmaps, it's always a problem, right? So that one challenge we have seen and we, we have proven methodology that we work with client to resolve such problems. And, and these clients, um, I've seen this this management companies. They run on very low margins, except one or two bigger companies. They run under five percentage of margin. So every company they have their own set of challenges, um, but few common issues. Again, I have seen is one is um, increasing operational cost, material cost, um, fuel cost is all time high, right? And vehicle prices are increasing. Um, so we talked about like um, a dynamic um, uh, planning and predictive maintenance, etc. They can help them to resolve their operational costs. But one important um, thing is about the fuel costs, right? They need to think for other innovative ways. For example, renewable energy. Um, they have huge landfills full of gases, right? Maybe they can start using those as their own. Um, uh, Energy to power their smart trucks or whatever regular trucks they want to, or their machineries or their plants. Um, This way, increasing the uh, again renewable um, uh, energy into the power they they want to use it. Um, So that's one thing they can start doing, and I I know some companies are already doing it. Um, Other thing uh, is about the fragmented back office, their back office operations like customer service. Um, Now, uh, shared services, HR, procurement, um, they are heavily dependent on the um, labor, and there is always a labor demand and shortage, right? so more and more companies are looking for ways to automate uh, certain functionalities, so we call it back office transformation um, and automation, so that's something companies I see really spending more effort and time into that area. other um, challenge I see um, is related to real estate prices going up and up, and it's going to go up always. And they have huge landfills, and they'll definitely need more and more in the future, also, right? So that's not going to stop. But only thing they can do is to reduce the uh, trash going into landfills. So we talked about some ways like they need to educate consumer, they need to equip consumer with some technology. Um, they need to make sure that um, they use the right set of technology in their uh, segregation plants, etc. So those are the some um, things that they are working with us on the regular basis on um, uh, innovation part. And the last thing I want to mention is about the uh, that they need to be in compliance with local regulations and laws, right? So um, they want to make sure that their crew, staff, drivers, everyone is. Um, certified safety certified or maybe certified with the local regulations and laws right so they they need to use some kind of learning platforms or maybe uh, learn as you go model using mobile right So all those technologies they want to make sure that um, now they equip their all the staff crew members, everyone around the industry so, they have been looking for like workforce transformation, field, uh, field services, field transformation, et cetera, as a part of all digital journey. Um, and technology is definitely playing big role along with all those challenges they want to overcome.
0: Thank you. And, and Pete, Vivek mentioned um, educating, the need to educate consumers better. And earlier, you had mentioned utilizing data uh, to communicate with partners. Can you speak to how we can best leverage technology and data uh, to uh, better inform consumers and in their practices towards sustainability.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, again another theme we've heard a number of times. Right. So I don't want to repeat too many things other <laughs> folks have already said stole my thunder. Um, But, yeah, obviously, um, you know, there's a lot of confusion. Um, We had the the talk about packaging. Clearly, a lot of folks don't understand what packaging recyclability means, which packages are recyclable, what I can do with this plastic. Even what the rules are in my town versus the next town over at work or at home, uh, you know, each collection agency seems to have its own set of rules in terms of what you're allowed to do. but i think there's a there's a couple problems and again these are these are problems that we know about that that individuals don't understand the impact that they have on the world because especially in the us uh, the the impact of the trash is usually well distant from where my life is um, and i don't see what happens to the you know 16 pounds of trash that banana goes, acronym that's,
0: from earlier that's that's right yes.
2: uh, it's it's well away from me and therefore i don't i don't notice the, you know the impact by the same token, if I recycle everything and I'm really, you know, conscious about it, I also don't see the impact. I don't understand what does it mean when I take my 60 gallon toter full of organic waste and it all gets composted. I assume it gets composted, but it goes off into into a truck and I never hear another word about it either way. Uh, and so it's very difficult um, for individuals to understand their impact, to understand the 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 risks that they're posing to the world uh, or the changes they're making um, but we can use technology I think to to try to make you know those changes take place I think we mentioned some there's a variety of apps out there that you can you know you can um, download to measure your own personal carbon footprint or to, to check for recycling centers in your area or to find places where you can do um, you know appliance sharing or tool sharing rentals and things to your to your neighbors so that you don't all have to own a chainsaw you can have one chainsaw for the neighbors. And we <laughs> all get our trees cut uh, effectively. Or even
0: reselling apps. That's right. That's right. So, so, so there's well. there's
2: plenty of plenty of ways that technology can can connect us together. Uh, Again, the, 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 the packaging panel talked a lot about social media, and that is a critical part of it, that that we do use social media every day as the way we learn things. And we do want to be recognized by our communities as being part of the, the solution, not part of the problem. So the social impact of, of social media and the ability to find influencers to follow uh, and to socialize or publicize what it is you're doing. Um, there's a new app that uh, was developed called Scone in the, in the UK, which actually creates communities community-based games and challenges, so that folks in your local area are sort of competing slash working together to improve the the recyclability of your area or the the trash collection. Um, And so there's gamification uh, issues, you know, using AI again to understand from a human behavior perspective, when is the right time to, to notify someone, to motivate them, to give them a badge, to remunerate them in some way. Um, there's a, lot, a variety of ways we can use technology uh, to create personalized interactions with these apps and with the, the technology that still makes you feel like you're making a real difference and, and, um, and changing you know, your behaviors. And of course, money. Uh, is always a motivator right so we, we again earlier today we mentioned um, you know the the milk bottle re, you know um, recycling process or your coke bottle and you get five cents back for each coke bottle or for each can you turn in uh, and those programs actually you know actually work um, they're not widely used anymore f- uh, for whatever reason or they're used in certain areas but not everywhere pay as you throw I mean, you know, I, it, I loved that idea. yeah it's it's used in Europe it's used in communities in the US uh, and it's shown to increase uh, or decrease trash by 40 to 60 percent depending on the community people
0: do um, buy benefits over yes. features.
2: there are issues of equity with that there are some folks that making them pay for their trash uh, and then making them pay for more pay more for products that have less packaging and less trash is sort of a double whammy for them if they're not able to do those things um, but you can look at those 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 aspects and then there's things like you know reverse logistics systems where let's say your local Avon cosmetics you know, seller or a body shop seller could accept return packaging, give you a store credit for every bottle of, of empty bottle of shampoo or, or lotion you bring back in. Uh, you get a store credit, so you're motivated to come in and do that. The store might get credits uh, from the manufacturers or might get paid back from the manufacturers. Uh, they can work with a local recycling or packaging you know, cleaning agency to, to act as the intermediary, and then the manufacturer can get those bottles back and, and reuse them or recycle them, reduce their ESG impact, um, you know, and, and uh, make a positive brand and marketing image as well as actually helping the world. Uh, and you could also add you know, a, a tweak where, hey, why don't you bring in the products from Johnson & Johnson or from someone else, and we'll give you a cre- store credit for those things too. So you get a customer now with credit in their pocket in your store, they feel good about what they're doing, uh, and using blockchain technology, using communications and, and, and cloud technologies,
0: well, and to that end, yeah. you've got a competitor's customer now in your That's store. right, that's
2: right. And so you connect, money in their pocket. That, that's right. And you can connect everyone together. You can assure that the fact that the bottle that I turned in is being reused. Uh, you can assure that the transaction, the monetary transactions are going through in an automated way without having to expose all of my banking information to the manufacturer of my shampoo bottle. Uh, it can all be done through, through transactions that are separate but still confirmed and verified Um, and it and it's all held together by technologies that we have today these are not technologies we're waiting on five years ten years down the road to mature they're all here and mature we just need to to stitch them all together and and you know bring our partners in uh to use them uh for this sort of mutual mutual good and then there's the whole education aspect of people and explaining to them what's going on and that's a another whole talk
0: (laughs) I'm sure, I'm sure it's a very interesting one, and I think it's one that's uh, necessitated uh, because how long have we been attempting as an industry uh, to educate how, what's recyclable and what's not? And it's, it's still quite difficult for the normal consumer. And so uh, I think that there's new and innovative ways through education, through learning models, um, and through psychology, uh, I know you and I were talking earlier about um, leveraging some of those techniques in educational models mm-hmm. to, to really kind of redirect behaviors and um, make it more of an intrinsically driven yes. choice. Uh, so one last question for you both before we open it up to any questions. Uh, what are you both either most encouraged by um, as we aim to move towards a more circular economy?
1: Uh, Yeah, go
2: first. Uh, I I would say that, you know, um, Bavik and I both talk to clients all the time, and we are, you know, I have 200% too much work to do in terms of companies coming to us and saying we recognize that sustainability and circular models are the way we need to go. we don't necessarily know how to get there. We don't know how to start, um, but there is a huge demand, and I think that we've seen over the last, you know, five years or so, and especially since COVID, um, you know, everyone seems to suddenly have gotten it. Like the like the light switch has been turned on, uh, and there's just a huge amount of energy behind finding solutions to these problems and developing partnerships Um, and so it's it's very encouraging you know to see that Uh, and i think that individuals at a grassroots level um, have a huge amount of interest as well the key i think is that you have senior leaders who are who are driven To do this because they recognize it's the it's the future of their companies and they have to pivot and you have consumer level folks who are all motivated and and recognize they want to do right for the world and they have a moral and sort of ethical you know goal the key is the folks in between it's the folks who are measured on their daily performance by the old revenue models or the old you know production models and not necessarily on um, you know how well they are protecting the planet when they are developing their packaging, or they're developing new product designs, or when they're doing their, um, you know, their HR functions, whatever it may be. Um, it's 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 all the folks in the middle, uh, and we need to have you know senior leaders adjust the metrics by which we're measuring people's job performance, so that we are all aligned behind circular uh, economies or, or designs and and sustainability. Uh, and then I, I think consumers, we've seen are driving a lot of this change uh, again the f- first presentation of the day was you know the tailwinds can, point number 1 uh, was that consumers are demanding better solutions uh, and better companies and they're showing with their with their dollars that they will pay more for products that are good for the planet and that are you know that are good for for all of us uh, and so that's that's encouraging
1: also there's a grassroots movement
0: there it is it is really encouraging the spotlight has been turned yeah. on.
1: Just just to add on that short note yeah um, so what I um, uh, believe that yeah companies are ready to you know invest in the innovation that they have been trying to do. Um, because um, they know that uh, there's going to be a future when they put some research behind that or they need to do innovations uh, to bring the uh, the uh, I'll say it's it's not about just about the landfill or recycle but people's education also and what happens sometimes since morning I'm hearing all this uh, 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 panel discussions and um, notes right so wherever we, Talk about the challenges. We talk the first challenge is yeah, we need to educate the individuals. I agree, but I think we will have to do much beyond that, right? Um, simplify the things, and I think companies are willing to do that. So that's something really we are moving in the good direction.
0: I think so too. I think slow, slow and steady right yeah. now, but I think that things are going um, to continue to, to yeah, garner yeah. speed we as, need to be fast as more. Right, agreed. That's more. the ideal, <laughs> but. Uh, Thank you for your time. Um, We'll open it up to questions. I am going to make my graceful exit now, Um, (laughs) but uh, I will leave my two expert panelists here for any questions you may have. So you brought up the demand for consumers
2: to have those more sustainable products and such, but how do we deal with the consumers that might want it in one area of their life, but those that like fast fashion Mm -hmm. and are... I have a group of people that I follow on Facebook that buy very expensive clothes for their children, but they still really love the Shein because they can get 20 items for like $100. And even though they are aware of the environmental benefits because myself and others will just put these little articles for them to think about, they completely ignore it. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think that in every, in every area you're going to have folks who are choosing to have that be their area of focus for sustainability. There's folks who are, my wife is one, for example, who will, you know, not buy... Anything remotely fast fashion, she will, you know, sew up her jeans, and she'll study stitching patterns, which will make a decorative, you know, patch on her clothes, uh, and she wears them with pride. Other folks uh, couldn't care less about uh, about clothing, but they will not buy any plastic products for their, you know, for their family. Um, I think that that across the board, we need education, um, and we need uh, programs that are actually communicating effectively with consumers uh, about. What their decisions mean. I think the, the discussion about our, our carbon labeling earlier today is great. I mean, I think that's a, exactly the kind of right approach to go. But as Michael pointed out, you can design a label that has all the right information, but if it's not designed for the the the, the person to use at the point of inflection for them, uh, it's not going to be effective. And so. The end result probably is going to be a wall of information coming at you from every possible different source. Um, and, and I think that it means that we all have our, our role to play in that communicating. Uh, government organizations, municipalities through their their community, you know, communications uh, or the regulations they pass. um, Enterprises or or companies um, stating what they are doing and and what they are encouraging their customers to do. Labeling your salad bowl to make sure you understand the carbon footprint. Uh, And then other consumers talking to each other via social media or just, you know, uh, over the back fence in their yards. Um, You know, we all have an important point of uh, message to deliver. Um, And I think that that Eventually, the the built you know impact of all of that is that we collectively move everything forward you know slowly. We're not going to achieve perfect circularity in one area instantly or or necessarily ahead of any other area. It's going to be a progressive you know. uh, evolution, And hopefully we can, you know, collectively accelerate that so that as time goes by, more folks jump on the, on the, the side of saying, you know what, I want to talk about this and share this information with my, with my friends and associates. Uh, and we can accelerate, you know, the entire process.
3: Hello, thank you very much uh, for your conversation. Um, my name is uh, Manuel Carmona and I work uh, uh, at the EU delegation to the US uh, in Washington DC. As councillor for environment and oceans, right? Um, uh, I've heard you mention this educating the consumer in terms of uh, recyclability, their voting with their, with their dollars, etc. All this. This is something that I've heard across many panels uh, during these three days. But uh, um, I think, in, in a way, all this um, putting responsibility in the consumer it works to a point. Mm-hmm. But I think for a circular economy, we need to look also upstream. And uh, the consumers might not be educated with complex materials that, uh, but you have to wonder if uh, those that need to be educated as well are the suppliers and the producers and manufacturers, because they pr- come up with the stuff that is unintelligible for, uh, for people that are not going to spend hours of their precious time. Uh, a precious working time or family time, deciphering or trying to right. find out uh, uh, what's the composition and such and such. So, so I think the messages that people are giving to suppliers also, they're trying to educate hard the suppliers, yep. but somehow the messages are not coming across. Um, in California alone, uh, taxpayers, these consumers, at the end of the day, they're paying $428 billion per year just to make cleanups of plastic pollution. Mm-hmm. Um, People, uh, 80% of people, some studies are saying, have microplastics in their blood. Um, PFAS is in many of these uh, processes and materials. So these are clear messages that not only people but also scientists are providing to suppliers. Are they being educated? Um, So so I was wondering, you were mentioning some technologies. How can we use those technologies to educate suppliers on what people are concerned about? Mm -hmm. Thank you.
2: Yeah, it's a, good, it's a good question, and I, and I, yeah, I didn't, certainly didn't mean to imply that the onus should fall on the consumers to, to you know, make all the best decisions in the world. But the consumers do have the ability to, to drive businesses to recognize, oh, I need to do something different because the consumers aren't happy. But I think that the, the, uh, on, the, on the manufacturer side or the enterprise side, um, they need evidence that they can still make money uh, by doing things in a different way. Uh, And I think that's where uh, digital models and AI models and predictive analytics can help. Uh, And I think it's where partnerships and bringing together consortiums of folks and getting data to the right people at the right time can indicate to them, look, we can change this material, and we have material scientists who can tell us that the, the performance of that material is going to be equal to or better than you had before. Or by making a slight change in our design of our product, we can get this product to still work as well, but for a reasonable cost and much better for the planet. Uh, and I think it's, it's the opportunity of technologies to illustrate that. Um, in, in packaging design, You know, being able to go through and, and model 10 different designs of packaging using digital tools uh, so you can see what is the impact of those things, what is the material cost of those things, how are they going to be shipped around, how will they be merchandised on a, on a shelf. Um, there's ways that digital tools can accelerate the ability to experiment with that. Um, knowledge-based engineering where you can go through and, and, and experiment with the formulation of a product before you build it and then have to test it later to see what the impact was, you can know up front. We, you know, we've worked with a, with a uh, cosmetics company to help them build a tool where they can try out the formulation of various cosmetics, whether they are skin creams or makeup or whatever it may be. And as they're designing this product with different formulations of, of materials and chemicals and, and ingredients, we can give them a running real-time green score for that cosmetic so they can understand immediately or at least much faster what's the impact going to be of this product down the road. Um, and it allows them to, to have a, a scale and a speed to market, I think, which they require in order to, to meet their margins and their profit you know, goals, um, but still then deliver a product that, at the end of the day, is, is better for the planet. Thank
1: you. Thank you.
2: Thank you.